with a look back over the weekend sports action. This is Full Time on KCLR with Sinead Kyo. Yes, it is full time and I am Sinead Kyo. Welcome along to another edition of the show. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday evening. Lots as always coming up on the show today. I'm going to be chatting all things Carlo Football Championship. Going to be joined by a good friend of the show, Willie Quinlan, a little bit later on. Also going to be speaking to Adrian Ronnie Ronan as well about all of the games that happened in the Kilkenny Senior Hurling League. We'll also catch up as well with the secretary of the Carlow District League, Brian O'Reilly, as the KCLR Shield kicks off. But first, I'm joined in studio now by another good friend of the show, Martin Quilty, KCLR Camogie commentator, Camogie uh, podcaster, and also referee for GAA and Camogie as well. Uh, you have a lot of strings to to your bow, uh, Martin, don't you? Yeah, nearly too many, Sinead. <laughs> I might have to start cutting a few. But um, no, we're we're here today, uh, Martin, to talk about something um, quite serious, actually. A new study by the University of Ulster uh, has re- revealed that uh, just the, the shocking extent, really, of referee abuse, which I'm sure doesn't come as any shock to you, though. 94% of referees surveyed, surveyed um, have experienced verbal abuse, while 23 have uh, reported physical abuse. It's no surprise at all at all. Um, I suppose I'm in the game 26 years. You landed me in this now the other day too with news talk, <laughs> I can tell you, doing the same thing. But uh, no, it's not. My worry is out of the 1,500 that was surveyed, only 438 uh, recipients actually sent back in a survey, um, which is more worrying. Like, does people not want to tell their story or you know do they not want to be involved in the survey to do it or maybe this is just another statistics to say that yeah yeah a thousand people sent it in and instead of 94.26 percent it's gone up to 98.73 or whatever it would be but the amount of abuse out there is absolutely ridiculous i mean i heard it over the weekend even with uh camogie games and hurling games and the whole lot like and it has gone beyond a joke with some people now it is and i think the the most disappointing thing martin really is that we're still seeing it at underage uh, games and just the you know like the lack of respect that they're shown to referees while they're in within earshot of their sons and their daughters and then of course that's passed on then to um you know to to the girls and and the boys that are, are playing out there now I, I have to say in my experience i i would rarely see uh, a young girl like I coach under 14 Camogie I would rarely see um, any of our girls or even any of the girls on the opposing team given back chat but then like you know I think I spoke to Lillian off air there earlier on monkey see monkey do like you know you're you're not um, that's if that's the example that's been set it's only a matter of time before the next generation of coaches are going to be uh, uh, abusing the next generation of, of referees to be fair the girls themselves even the players it's very seldom you really get problems from the players like they only want to go and play you know you see that yourself with your under 14 team it's rare any of them would give back chat the problem is the adults that's on the sideline, the parents that's in the studios are on the sidelines as well. Um, they get highly invested in it. You know, they want to be part of it. 
I have to stress there's a difference between being involved in a game Sinead that you can let a few F's out here or get onto a ref and say oh, for F's sake ref you know what was that for whatever I mean that's part and parcel of a game we don't mind that but it's when lads start getting abusive and start giving you threatening behaviour and you know they're really nearly frothing at the mouth on the sideline and this is coaches as well like I mean you're getting beyond uh, I, su- I suppose you're nearly fearful um, for your safety one because most of the matches you go to whether it be underage games or whatever you're there on your own um, okay I'm in my 30s or whatever but I mean you'd still be afraid like when you have a, a fully grown adult coming towards you like and he could have a hurl in his hand and you know he might be seeing his eyes you can see them bulging out of his head nearly with uh, anger and the whole lot coming towards you and I mean you do get fearful and actually I had a young uh, referee um, won't say whether it was female or male on to me uh, going back last week that they were doing an under 12 camogie match recently as well um, and they were getting verbal abuse from the sideline and it was actually the coaches and when the coaches was giving it the players as you say monkeys see monkey do etc they were actually starting to give it then on the field as well which caused other problems then for the referee because you have to deal with what's going on in the pitch and the players can't do that either but they're looking at the adults doing it and when they see the adults doing it they think to themselves well I can do it as well but it is becoming a huge problem and I heard yourself and Sue earlier to know what the, the solution to is it we don't know is the simple answer but like I just don't know Martin how we're still here you know, like, this has been going on It's not new. It's not you new, You know, it's going yeah. on with the last 15, 20 years, like. Um, I started 26-odd years ago. Um, I started off inside in Waterford first because there was no underage leagues in Kilkenny at the time. Um, and I was doing under-12 games. And my first experience with abuse was I was 14 years of age. I was inside in Mount Sinai. I was refereeing an under-12 boys game. And a parent actually came up and physically assaulted me at an under 12 game and I walking off the field and that was no I'm not no Uh, and that was my first experience ever with abuse Um, and the survey surveyed mental health I suppose as you get older I suppose you get more invested in things and you take an awful lot more to heart like my last physical abuse was going back a good few years ago I was um, in a field down south I was refereeing a senior challenge game and and there was two people come out onto the field and physically assaulted me and I got in the car and Liam Jubery was our referees administrator at the time and I actually rang him and I don't be ashamed to say it I actually roared on the phone on my way home to him and I actually had to pull in on the way down because I was physically shaken and couldn't drive the car that's how much that it actually affects referees um, and you know yourself i done a documentary for my college course as well uh, this year on abuse towards referees and I had a soccer referee in a studio doing it and the very same thing happened to him at a soccer game that he was assaulted after a game for sending off a player for two yellow cards they followed him out to the car park afterwards and he actually sat in his car and shook out vigorously as well because he was fearful he didn't know what was going to happen or whether someone was going to stop the opposition team obviously helped him in that but I mean why should a a person going to a game have to feel something like that because of some yob on the sideline that takes it into their head or I don't know whether they just a flick or a light switch flicks inside them and they just lose it completely like but it is a big problem it's huge and, and like you know we're, what, we're only talking about this the last five minutes we're already after getting a flurry of text in here to the KCLR uh, text line uh, the dinner's ready text line I'm going to read a few of those now I'm just going to take a quick break and we're going to pick up where we left off on this conversation um, in, in just a couple of seconds time just going to take a really quick ad break and I'll be back again with uh, Martin Quilty right after these 
Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Now, if you're listening just before the break, I was speaking to Martin Quilty there. He's KCLR commentator, a podcaster here with KCLR as well. And he also does a little bit of riffing um, as well when he's not too busy. Uh, Camogie riff and uh, GAA riff as well. And we're talking about just the physical, um, sometimes the physical 20% of the referees that were surveyed in a recent study carried out by the University of Ulster said that they were physically abused. Martin has, has spoke there about um, some instances of physical abuse, but mainly verbal abuse. 94% of referees surveyed said that they've experienced verbal abuse um, when they are um, uh, when, when they're refing a match. Now, as I mentioned before the break, a couple of texts in here to the Dinners Ready text line. Um, refs need protection, disgraceful, the abuse, GAA tolerating this is terrible. Frank Chambers. Like, is that part of it, do you think, uh, Martin, that the, the GAA are kind of tolerating it? Is that, what, is that why it still hasn't been stamped out? Tolerate might be a strong word. Um, I suppose, look, referees can only do what they can do. There's protocols in place. If you get abused, you send in your match report, goes in, it's dealt with by the committees in charge and they deal with it. And once the report goes in, the referees doesn't hear how anything goes. I suppose when I was talking to Anton the other day I said the same thing to him is there's an awful lot of responsibility that has to be taken by players as well. Like if you're abused in a referee um, and you get sanctioned for it well there's not much point then if you're sent off and going appealing it and saying that you didn't do it. Like we had it recently in a camogie game where a Camo- an inter-county camogie player was sent off for verbally abusing a referee appealed to us going forward into two of the biggest games if they got through in the championship won the appeal and then came out live on national television and said that they were after doing exactly what they were sent off for and yet they appealed it. So, like, where do you go from there if you don't take personal responsibility for yourself? Well, so there's not much point in the referees either. Um, I think the the soccer, the, the FAI has gone down the route of um, an ORF no game campaign recently as well. Whereas if uh, people, uh, players are... Uh, mentors or even supporters or whatever behave in a way which is aggressive intimidating or threatening to a match official they get at least a six match ban which wouldn't be long about putting fellas on the sideline like and making them cop on to it there's obviously other sanctions there um, where players and officials persist in using foul and abusive language having been sent from the field to play well then there's obviously further sanctions to be taken part in it as well which if it works it's great it might cut it down a small little bit because soccer certainly has a big problem with uh, abuse as well we have a couple of our GAA referees that soccer referees and they'd tell you the very same thing and it's more so even with the parents on the sideline and I know even in America the referees themselves will actually go to the sideline now and tell supporters that if they don't shut up and stop giving abuse that he's going to call off the match and clear the sideline and get rid of all the parents out of the field which might be another way of doing it you know the the silent sidelines might come into it and maybe help uh, matters as well as underage but um, tolerating it is probably a strong word like they do probably hand down sanctions and that but sure does it really do anything like if a fella gets a a one match ban or a two match ban or even a four week suspension if you're a supporter or whatever they're not going to stop them doing it again after four weeks and coming back and if they see you doing it after reporting sure they're really going to go to town on you the next yeah. day you're out in the field well that's the thing if there's no consequences of course you're going to do it again like you know if you're going to get away with it um, but I wanted to ask you as well Martin like you know from speaking to other referees as a referee yourself going to 
going to certain matches, would you feel kind of a bit of anxiety, kind of, you know, maybe a bit of fear as you're driving up, driving through the gates of a GAA grounds? Is that something that a lot of uh, GAA refs experience, a kind of a sick feeling in their stomach? Not going into a game, no. Um, I mean, you always have the butterflies going, especially if you're doing a, a big championship game or something. The anxiety is going to be there that you have a good game, you know, that everything goes off well for you, that there's no problems as such. But you're not thinking about whether you're going to be abused going into a game because, as I said, every game you go to, you're going to get the odd throwaway comment or some fella that's going to let a few Fs out of him and whatever. I mean, you know, you really don't mind that, but it's when they start getting on personal terms and, you know, they're starting to become threatening and, you know, it's really abuse altogether. It's not just like a throwaway comment. Um, then you have to deal with it and people don't understand that you're dealing with it then because obviously they can't hear what's going on in a pitch so you have the supporters roaring in the stands roaring and shouting if you give your lad a yellow card for it or you send off a fella for a second yellow card for it either they don't understand what's going on um, and I have to say that maybe actually the trial that TG Cahard's on with Mike and up uh, John O'Halloran with the Kerry uh, hurling final this year was actually very insightful um, because he was actually giving his indication of why he was giving freeze etc so maybe if there was something like that like they have in the rugby where the ref mic you're available to buy the little piece put it in your ear and you can hear everything that's going on and you might not agree with the referee's decision but at least you know why he's giving a freeze so maybe it's something that the GAA could trial out and start it as well and it might alleviate some of the problems Yeah I do think there's there's lots of different things that they could trial I was talking to a gentleman during the week about this he was the founder of the silent sideline that you mentioned yeah. there a second ago so the idea is that uh, for the whole duration of the match the coaches, uh, the parents that are at the match, they're not allowed to say anything. They just let the game happen. The kids play. And they let yeah. the kids play. They let the game happen. They give their comments then and their feedback at halftime and after the game. But something else that was also interesting as well, he said that they've took to recording the matches. So they film the games and he says that makes the mentors and the coaches and even the parents on the sideline less inclined to say anything to roar and shout because they know that they have to watch that back mm-hmm. and they'd be red faced then watching it back if they are cursing or effing and blinding and, and that kind of thing so maybe that's something as well if the games are recorded you're just trying to think of all of these different deterrents to prevent people from abusing the referee so I think there's lots of different things that could be trialled Martin and while it's great how would you police it like if you're at a game yourself right you're part of the under 14 management in uh, uh, Monagirable. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I was trying to think of it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you have a parent that's on the sideline and you know the parent and they're roaring and shouting abuse at the referee and you could be winning by five or six goals, you know, it's very hard for you to go over to the parent and say, look, you have to stop. You can't be getting onto the referee like that. What are they going to do? They're going to tell you to F off out of it. And then you have a whole different scenario altogether. So, while the, the soil and sideline is a great initiative and it would be great, the fact that it would have to be policed and who's going to police it would have to be thought out and that could cause even more problems than when you have people that's involved and I mean you don't want to go up to tell someone calm down now there boy or you know the referee might send you off or he might give uh, one of our crew a, a yellow card or whatever um, and I know you were saying earlier that Amy was inside in the, the newsroom there and she's big into hockey and the fact that if a spectator in the stand actually roars abuse at a referee in hockey the captain has in been for 10 minutes like if I was a captain and some supporter was in the stand and I didn't know who it was and he was roaring abuse I would wouldn't be too happy getting sin bin like for something like that so 
while there's pros and cons and everything to it, um, it it's great those, those ideas are great they would have to be trialed out but they would have to be consequences obviously if someone was breaking those rules in the first place and I, I think myself and I said this to people with years uh, and you're a coach as well I actually believe before you start in a field to be a coach you have to have guard vetting you have to have your safeguarding done and you have to have a current qualification done as well which used to be the old foundation course I believe before a coach or manager goes out they should actually have to do a referees test and sit the rules test as well before you're actually allowed to go and coach a team because why are you run shouting at me on a sideline about fouls that you know absolutely nothing about and they're not fouls you haven't passed the referees test so you don't actually know what you're talking about yeah and you'd see it a lot like you know you'd have parents there on the sideline and they'd, they'd say themselves they've never played before they don't necessarily know the rules of the game but it's almost insti- like instinctive to just to go RF RF because you know like it's one of those but RF things is that not, they- you don't mind RF it's the very same notion eh? someone gets a ball in the hand now and someone on the sideline is roaring and shouting steps they literally haven't put the ball in their hand and someone on the sideline is roaring and shouting looking for steps off them yeah you know, that kind of stuff you don't really mind. You know, it's part and parcel of the game. But if you have a person that's roaring and shouting, ah, for F's sake, you stupid bee like, and you know, how many steps are they going to take? And you blind C and etc. and everything else that can go with it. Like, that's taking things too far altogether. And then it's time for them people to definitely get sanctioned. Definitely. I just want to read out another text now. Um... Yeah, this is a little bit different to the the previous text that that I that I read out a second ago. But uh, here we go. Refs are not saints; they can be and are one sided at times and deserve a telling off when they are. That's from Caroline. What do you make of that, Martin? Well, I can tell you now that referees are not saints, um, and I have seen referees on the sideline that have actually abused their own colleagues when their own teams are playing in it and roared and shouted at it. And let's be fair, if I'm on the sideline and I'm playing either with Kilkenny, which I have done above in the press box and Lillian and uh, Anya will allude to this, I have not been complimentary to some of the refereeing decisions that has gone on. And I am a referee's assessor for the Camogie Association as well. And I uh, I haven't gone to the, the fact of actually abusing them. But when I'm you on... You see, there's a line, like, yeah. isn't there? There yeah. has to be boundaries. You can't cross it. I mean, if you're sitting on your own, you can say that he's the greatest you-know-what of all time and how the hell did he come up with that decision? But if you have, or I'm standing in front of him, I can't go and say to you, well, Jesus, Sinead, you know, what the hell were you doing there? And not being as polite as that to you, to your face. Like, that's completely crossing the line altogether and you just have to know when not to do it. That's it. Look, it's been it's been great chatting about it and just kind of trying to look for some solutions to it as well because we can you know we can give out and we can moan all day long about Well I tell you what when you're back here in 20 years time after the previous 20 years that we've been trying to <laughs> sort it um, and you have a solution for it I'll shake your hand and say well done we've eventually done it but yeah, um, yeah I, I think we'll still be talking about this in 5 or 6 to even 10 years time as well yeah. which is a pity and it's a shame but just one more text I'll read out before we, we finish up with this and we go to an ad break. Um, I'm all for referees being protected, but the, the referee has also to do the job properly. They are getting paid to do a job, a, a job so it should be done uh, properly. It can be all one sided when refereeing. So that's what makes spectators mad. I can kind of but see. Who, but who said that the game wasn't being done properly? Yeah. This goes back to my point. Like a referee has to go through every exam under the sun. We have to know the rule book inside out. And if you're doing all different codes from football, hurling, camogie, 
the football and hurling rule book alone in the playing rule book is 73 something pages long there's an abundance of rules that you have to go through the camogie is changing rules every three years you have to be up to date with it so when I hear someone saying oh the referee didn't referee the game properly who said he didn't referee the game properly if there wasn't an assessor there to say well actually they're right you didn't do this right you didn't do that right it's only opinions and everyone is entitled to an opinion but that doesn't say that their opinion is correct yeah, definitely. No, no, I, I, I fully agree with what you're saying there. Mark. And that's not putting that texture down no. either, like, you know, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, we'll we'll continue this conversation, Anya. Hopefully we'll get more texts in. I'd love, love to hear from all of the listeners. The Dinner's Ready text line and WhatsApp line is open. It's 83 306 uh, For now, thanks very much to Martin Quilty, KCLR commentator, Before podcaster. Before we go, though, I have to say, best of luck in your county final thanks because I know much. you're under 14s, won their semi-final yesterday uh, and we're going in to record our podcast now and it's going to be part of our podcast later on is as it? well it is we said we keep an eye on you <laughs> and we have done and it's great that you're in a county final so the very best of luck to you Ah, uh, great stuff thanks so much for that Martin that was Martin Quilty there case lore commentator podcaster and referee as well going to take a quick ad break now coming up after the break I'll be speaking to Carlo legend Willie Quinlan Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny. LahartzVolkswagen.ie. Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny. LahartzVolkswagen.ie. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Great conversation there with Martin Quilty just before the break on the subject of referee abuse in the GAA. Uh, not just verbal abuse, but physical abuse as well. And unfortunately, Martin has been victim uh, to physical assault on the GAA pitch. Do let me know if you are a referee, if you've experienced this yourself, if you're a spectator um, that goes regularly to GAA matches and this is something that you have witnessed uh, get in touch on the Dinners Ready text and WhatsApp line. It's 0833069696. Uh, now, before the break, I did mention that we were going to have Willie Quinlan on to talk all about the Carlo Football Championship. I'm going to be joined by uh, Willie in a couple of minutes' time, but just before that, just before coming on air, I did catch up with Adrian Ronnie Ronan. He's been keeping an eye on all that's been happening in the Kilkenny Hurling League over the weekend and he was also doing commentary um, on some of those games as well. So I caught up with Adrian just before I came on air, as I said, and uh, this is what he had to say. So Adrian, loads of matches at the weekend there in the Kilkenny Senior Hurling League. I suppose we'll start with the um, with the city clash between the two city teams there, O'Loughlin's and James Stevens. What did you make of that one? Yeah, well, sure. Look, it kind of went to form as in... Um, the result, I suppose, went to form. Lockins were marginally better in the last few games, had a better vein of form. Um, O'Loughlin's on the day seemed to be the better team, seemed to be more comfortable. And yet, the determination and I suppose the um, work rate of the village kept them in there. They hung in there all day and wouldn't have been hurling very well. And near in the last the five, ten minutes, they brought it back to a goal and O'Loughlin's had to rescue it again. So, look, tricky game for uh, both teams because, as we know now, James Stevens are now in relegation. But they showed a right bit of hunger and, and a right bit of vein of form, something they might not have had in the previous three matches. 
and I think they're turning the corner yes they'd like to have won they might be turning the corner they need a few more lads back they brought a few players back onto the field that they didn't have in earlier rounds they will have tied the wire back so look the village while they won't like to be where they are for sure they won't like to be where they are they're a proud uh, senior hurling club they are in the position they are but they're well equipped to get out of that position so mm. I expect James Stevens to come out of relegation the uh, Lachlans will be happy uh, they won the game typical uh, city clash but won the game and weren't convincing winners but know they can improve and maybe again going in under the radar there are small steps or big steps and again they got more players back on the field namely Owen Wall back on the field and Mark Berrigan so they again you know this time of year as we often mention the more of your panel that you can have back on the field the less players you have missing the better the chance you have Yeah you mentioned there Ronnie as well that they found uh, they found it hard to shake off the village and you know I was I was just uh, reading there that uh, Brian Cody was on the sideline as a selector and that has always been a, a real feature of a Brian Cody team you know they kind of fight till, till the very end uh, but as you say they are going to be in a relegation playoff there but you wouldn't be too concerned about them being relegated not at all no they're, they're, they're well equipped as I said they have a lot of players they're just in a little vein of form they wouldn't like to be there they have plenty of lads uh, on a panel there that can uh, make a difference to the James Stevens. as I said they'll be very disappointed but no they'll, they'll they have the, the panel they're a city team and they should get out as well just, it's just in a, um, an unusual position a position they wouldn't like to be in because it is tricky don't we? I'm not saying it's not tricky it is very tricky down there because anything can happen on the day but they're one of the teams that are most well equipped as I said have a lot of their players coming back and have the experience of the county players just going through a, a small bit of poor form um, but I think they're turning the corner I think the last day they showed uh, small signs of turning the corner and Adrian you mentioned their disappointment uh, you'll be disappointed with, with your own club side there uh, Greg Bally Callan at the weekend as well they're in a spot of water now aren't they yeah no we're in relegation um at the beginning of the year, we'd be one of the players, the teams that people would have mentioned in the relegation were uh, a young team, a small panel, a country team, um, and uh, a country team uh, down five or six players from last year, down five or six players from the beginning of the year that they would like. Um, so they're down and they're in a spot of bother. The good news is, again, they, some of those players are coming back. And I think the, that that bunch of players and that group of players will have a bounce in them yet. I hope it's sooner rather than later and I hope uh, September is kinder than August well, so that's what we're hoping we're hoping for an Indian summer we're hoping for a good September uh, yeah. because we've had a horrible August but that can happen and um, hopefully that will happen Bit of a surprise there as well uh, with where, where Mullen Navash were concerned I know all the talk was about Clara leading into that game but in fairness to you Adrian you did call it and they, they had a, a four point victory over Clara at the weekend yeah, again, it's only because because Mullinavat have a very good record against Clara over the years. They tend to have, you know, the Indian side on Clara. Clara have done well year to date, down one or two players again. Mullinavat with two or three players back, maybe more players back from the beginning of the year. So their form wasn't correct and right. And I know there's a trend here if you, if you listen to what we're, you know, if, you, if we all stay tuned into what we're, we're speaking about. A lot of clubs during the year have had injuries coming into games and they, when you're down a club team down four or five players you will struggle unless you're Ballyhale unless you're Ballyhale but if you're down four or five players you will struggle and in that case some of the teams are struggling some of those players are coming back into the fold and that means um, the, the, those player, those teams are getting stronger and better Mullen and the latter being one of them they were down a few they're getting stronger 
And, you know, th- that makes a big difference when you have uh, a club team playing week in and week out. So I keep going back to what I said all along in, in this split season that we have, uh, playing week in, week out. Injuries are crucial and lack of injuries is crucial to any team. And more than that in this case, and that makes a huge difference to them. And then they rightly got the win. Now, they still have to beat uh, Castle Comer the weekend, but they're turning the corner at the right time and heading into a September full of uh, hope, I suppose. And they had a great win over uh, Clara. And comfortable enough, I believe, four points. And then there wasn't that that game, but that margin was what, four points. So maybe a small bit flattery to Clara. They're out of trouble, it doesn't matter. Clara, a good team, they'll bounce back. They have one or two players to come back as well. So look, again, it all depends on every team who can have their best team out on a given day comfortable win for Mullen Nevat in the end but Shamrocks actually uh, weren't so comfortable uh, in their victory over Aaron's own in fairness uh, Adrian they, they nearly they nearly had Shamrocks didn't they they did they did um, um, when you look back on it um, I suppose Comer played very very good brand of hurling all day they had a very very good well organised team they had a small uh, a puck out strategy that often if not always worked they had a sweeper system that often it always worked and Kieran Wallace was excellent and they had a set of forwards that were moving and hungry and working for the ball and they caused all sorts of problems for Ballyhale but Ballyhale being Ballyhale the big players came at the right time and uh, I suppose namely Adrian Mullen Owen Cody at the very end and you know those established players they, they played with about eight of their established team and that meant they had seven you know debutants as such playing uh, senior hurling that might be as comfortable over the last few years but one of the players that done very well when he came back from uh, America's own Keneally he had a vital part to play in a few crucial moves he was involved in two or three crucial scores that uh, Shamrocks uh, were involved in and he was also the guy that uh, intercepted the, the short puck out that uh, turned the game just when Castlecomer maybe were about to see uh, a win there were three points up 20 points to 17 and that puck out was intercepted and from there on the last five minutes uh, Shamrocks pulled away as only Shamrocks can do but how to do it and when to do it and why to do it so often is beyond me but they're just one of those teams never accept the defeat and to grind the victory out Short so many players, you know, it's just a huge testament to that group of players and that group of Valley Hill players. Really tight margins um, in most, if not all, of those games. So, yeah, lots mm. to look forward to in the coming weeks as well. Well, listen, uh, Adrian, thanks so much for your time um, and we'll, we'll chat to you again very soon. Well, thanks, Sinead. That was Adrian Ronnie Ronan there uh, chatting to me just before coming on air about everything that happened at the weekend in the Kilkenny Senior Hurling League. Uh, now we're going to be ch- turning our attention now from the small ball uh, to the big ball. I am joined on the line now by uh, Carlo legend Willie Quinlan to talk about all of the action in the Carlo Football Championship at the weekend. Willie, how are you getting on? Hi Sinead, not too bad. Good. Uh, Willie, uh, as I was saying there uh, earlier on, just when I was introducing the show, uh, lots of games at the weekend. You were at a lot of them. You did commentary um, on a lot of them as well uh, there with a good friend of yours uh, and someone that you've been doing commentary with for a long time, Brendan Hennessy. Uh, but yeah, lots lots of exciting matches there at the weekend, Willie. It surely was. I suppose Friday night with Bagnestone and Ballerana, that was a, a big match, a close match. Bagnestone probably missing their their talisman Shane Clark in the middle of the field he, he seemed to pick up an injury in the first match he had lots of stitches in the inside of his mouth and looked like he wasn't going to start but he ended up bringing him on at half time and he probably was the difference um, 
they went out four points. The winners probably should have won by more, but um, they'll be happy with their draw against their org and a win against Ballinabrana. Ballinabrana, lots of possession, but just couldn't score, and that's the way they have been in the, the first two of their matches. Yeah, um, now there was a couple of surprises there over the weekend as well. I think the, the story of the weekend in the Carlo Championship, though, was Tin, Tin Ryland, wasn't it? Yeah, Tin Ryland definitely was. Now, we did talk about it last last week and uh, I was expecting it to be a tight match and I, I thought if Ten Riding got it right on the day that they could be actually beat um, Airog and that's exactly what happened Airog stormed into a great lead at, at the start I think it was one four to two points but in fairness to Ten Ryland worked their way back into it they did um, had a chance to level it before half time with a penalty and didn't didn't convert the penalty but by far the better team in the second half they seemed fitter they seemed stronger they were more organised Airog couldn't break them down. Airog had a free to go a point up probably three minutes to go. Missed that free. And in fairness to Danny Morn, smallest man on the field, the, the number seven left half back, he stepped up the field twice and he kicked two great points and the, the second one was the winner. So he he uh, really had a had a great night. Him and Neil Lowry were exceptional. Tin Ryland full value for the wins. But Airog themselves not going really well. You know, a lot of lads are still missing. Uh, lads that probably won't be back at all that are retiring through injury and lads that are just away so they have what they have I think they've one player to come back from, from the other night and that's Jordan Morrissey he'd be a big help to them but um, Airog not going really well at the moment they've won point from two games Yeah um, and just like looking at kind of that first half as well I know we're saying you know that Airog uh, aren't aren't going well but they did do things right a few things right though in the first half didn't they uh, Willie like even talking about do you know uh, Tin Ryland set up very defensively but Airog were able to outwit them in terms of shooting from distance Yeah definitely because the, the first half what happened was Tin Ryland had two banks of four and sat really really deep 35 metres from their half and ne- never engaged until Airog came in within the 30 metres and you could see it Dara Bryan had got a great a great point from distance uh, Sean Gannon kicked the point but, and it was all o- over the I suppose the defence which is the only way to beat it but Tim Ryland you know at half time obviously got, got it together they knew what they had to do they engaged further out the field they didn't allow the space come in front of Chris Blake couldn't get him on the ball he scored 1-2 in the first half but just couldn't get that ball into his hand I think he kicked the point from his left foot in the first half so done done some very good things but you'd have to say Tin Ryland were full value for their win And Willie just turning our attention as well then to Palatine and Ratvili huge victory there for Palatine um, and you know Ratvili being the county champions a lot of expectations there uh, but just a massive massive uh, victory there for Pal Yeah sorry Sinead yeah definitely a big victory you'd have to say Brendan Murphy Brian Murphy and Ed Finnegan were missing for for um, Raffili and they're two huge three huge players obviously both physically and experience wise but Palantine were very good in their in their first game they scored 119 I think in, in their, their very first game against Rangers albeit Rangers missing uh, six or seven players that, that ended up uh, in America after a holiday after the hurling but a fantastic win to score 312 and hold Raffili to 17 
no matter which referees the team it was, it just shows where Palantine are after coming from this year because at the start of the year it didn't look great for them but they're really after stepping up and doing very well at the moment. Yeah, no, um, uh, Willie, it's, it's been exciting. Like, you know, we were chatting about all three matches there uh, at the weekend. It's really starting to, to heat up now in the Carlo Football Championship um, and we look forward to, to lots more uh, great games still to come. It's still really early days uh, in the Carlo Football Championship. So all of that to look forward to. But listen, thanks a million for your time. Um, and no doubt, I'll be chatting to you again very soon on full time. Uh, but th- thanks again, Willie. Lovely, lovely talking yeah, so. to you as always. Thanks, Sinead. Thank Thanks a million. Uh, that was Willie Quinlan there, uh, former Carlo footballer and, of course, KCLR analyst as well. Uh, so we're going to take a quick ad break now. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about all things Carlo District League. So do stay tuned for that. Full time on KCLR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny. LaHartsVolkswagen.ie Full time on KCLR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, LaHartsVolkswagen.ie. Welcome back to Full Time. Now, as I said just before, going to the ad break, we're going to be talking about all things Carlow District League when we come back. And we are, I'm joined on the line now uh, by the Secretary of the the, the Carlow District Football League, uh, Brian O'Reilly. Brian, how are you doing? Not too bad, Sinead. How are you? I'm not too bad. Um, Brian, we had the Kilkenny uh, District League kickoff last weekend and all of the action then, uh, football-wise, was in the Carlow District League at the weekend. 17 games I think in total played over Friday and Saturday so if you are a football fan in Carlo a very very good weekend Yes Sinead we had a double header of our new KCLR field style competition that we began last year and we had over 35s so as you said, um, we st- we kicked off the shield and the fact that the clubs were all looking for next weekend off with the electric picnic on, we decided to go with a double header, which is something we would have done traditionally in the Carroll League for 20 odd years where they play Friday night and Sunday morning. And then we had the over 35s in the middle. So on Friday night or of 2022-2023 uh, season officially kicked off for the junior soccer with uh, eight matches, 16 clubs playing in the KCLR first round of the Carroll Shield. Uh, St. Pat's beat Norney 6-0, Bale beat Felix 5-0, Bellamorphy beat Ardaton 3-2, um, Dalton, Bagnestown and Dalton was 3-2 to Bagnestown, Mill and Bottom Gas was 2-all, Kareen and Hanover was 3-all, St. Joseph's nearly won 4 So it was uh, an action-packed uh, full of goals. And then on Sunday, or Saturday afternoon, we had a fantastic result for Collection in the over-35 LFA Cup. They won at home to Kulak Village and now advanced to the quarter-finals of the over-35 LFA Cup and are the last Carlo team standing. And in the Martin Mullins Memorial Cup semi-finals, Credit um, Ard, uh, sorry, quarter-finals, Credit Ard beat Bagnestown 3-0, and Carnegie and St. Felix was nearly all 100 pounds a shootout, and St. Felix won at 5-4. And then again, we went again yesterday morning uh, with the second round of the Shield, and the Wanderers won again, beating Hanover Harps. New York boys continued off again from last season, beating Felix 8-1, Kiri beat Jones was 1-0, Collection beat Norney 5-0, Harker beat Dolman 3-2, Critter beat Bottom Glass 6-0, Mill beat Ballamurphy 1-0 and St. Pat's beat Bagnestown 5-0. So we've had a great start to the season and very busy. Yeah, definitely. I don't know how, as secretary, you keep up with it all, Brian. Um, but do you think the whole format now and the kind of Champions League style is working well for all of the teams involved? 
yeah, it's it was a it was a, it was a real positive. It was it was it was an idea I had last year. We said we do it for a year's trial. The clubs loved it. Um, as you can, your, your previous caller Willie was saying, the GEA was very busy the weekend too. We're at that kind of the season where both sports are kind of flat out. So having the field competition because it's a club competition works really well for everybody because you don't have to try and field two teams in one weekend. Um, and a lot of clubs would have played eleven lads Friday night and another eleven lads Sunday because the fact it's a club competition. Anyone who's registered in the club can play. Most of the clubs are using it kind of as a pre-season friendlies. Um, we'll have a break now this weekend for electric picnic so we've no, there's no soccer in Carlo on Friday, Saturday, Sunday looking forward to a weekend off after the last couple of weeks this is a very busy time for, for the league I'm actually on my way to a meeting now tonight we have a really important meeting now in Seven Oaks at 7.45 tonight trying to form a ladies league um, where we have a little small crossover for about four weeks with the over 35 season and the junior season and the youth starting in a couple of weeks but it's great to see so many people playing soccer again in Carlo and we're looking forward to this shield the next two rounds now are the following weekend on Friday the 9th and Sunday the 11th of September there's another double header where they'll all play Friday uh, and then the following weekend the will be the final round before we start the knockout stage Yeah it's brilliant and so you were mentioning there uh, Brian as well you have a meeting so kind of looking to um, develop the, the women's game as well in, in Carlo. Yeah, we've, over the years we've had a really successful ladies league, but since COVID, the numbers have dwindled slightly. We had a very competitive league last year, but there was only five teams in there. Um, so what we're trying to do now is we're encouraging as many clubs as possible to try and come back and enter ladies teams. Well, but pre-COVID, we would have had two divisions of seven or two divisions of six. Uh, and to be down to five last year was disappointing. Whilst the league was quite competitive and the standard was exceptional, um, five teams, you, you look for some more. So we, we, we put out a message there um, via our social media channels and via, via the press a couple of weeks ago asking any girls in the county who wanted to play to contact our local clubs. So we're hoping tonight maybe a few clubs will come up to the meeting now who hadn't who hadn't thought about entering a ladies team and might be able to come up with 15 or 16 and be able to enter the ladies league. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, it's, it's great to hear that the, those talks are happening. Uh, but look, we have to leave it there. But thanks so much, Brian, for, for joining us on Full Time today and looking forward to all, all those matches that are coming up now in the next couple of weeks. Thanks a million, Sinead. Thanks, that. thanks Thank a million. Uh, that was Brian O'Reilly there. He's the secretary of the Carlow District League. That's just about all we have time for today. Thanks to all of our texters tuning in over the last hour and to all of my guests, of course, as well on the show. I'll be back here, same place next week. So do join me for full time uh, from six o'clock. I will chat to you again very soon. Full time on KCL or with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, lahartzvolkswagen.ie.